Coming up next, the booking reads Bleak What? House. <laughs> House. Welcome to the booking. My name is Nathan. I was in there. And we got Brandon over there. He's wearing a blue shirt. He's got the I blue am. shirt. He's wearing, I'm going to guess, jeans. I can't see it. It's covered nope. up by his coat and his bag and the chair that's in front of him. He's got a little Starbucks. What are we drinking today, my friend? Coffee. Coffee. All right. That's a good thing. What kind? Are you a dark roast man? Oh, a medium roast man? This is Pike's Place, whatever that is. Pike's Place. I'm usually a dark roast man. Yeah. So you ask for a dark roast, and they're like, we don't have any dark roast. We just have Pike's Place. Yep. And instead of throwing your money in their face, you... I took it. You took it. And they poured my half and half in there for me, and then rubbed their thumb along the rim of the cup. Did they really rub their thumb along yeah. the rim of the cup? It was weird. That's weird. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> hey, Brandon. Hey, Nathan. We are sans Jake today hmm. for a little while. He may come in. S-A-N-S or S-A-N-D-S? We are Sans Jake. Yes, the latter. Oh, wow. Sans Jake. Yeah. The Jake's here. Sans and Jake are sinking. <laughs> yeah. He is the Sandman. Yep. What is, it, what is the thing where someone's turned into sand? That's a real thing. I don't know, like a movie or a TV. I feel like I've yeah, seen this that, yeah, yeah, Spider-Man 3. Oh, yeah. That's why I said he's the Sandman. Okay. Jake's been turned into the Sandman. Yeah, he bum, is bum, now bum, living bum, the plot bum, of bum, bum, Spider-Man 3. Bum, 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 Mr. With Spider-Man Sandman. 3 with Tobey Maguire? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the only Spider-Man 3 that's in existence, okay. I think. Spider-Man. Spider-Man yep. 3. Brennan? Hey. Jake's not here, but he may walk in at any time. He's burgling something, I'm sure. Yeah. Or didn't we say he was an arsonist on one episode? Yeah, I mean, but now he's a Sandman, so. Oh, yeah, he's a Sandman. You already uh, forgot. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I've never actually seen Spider-Man 3, tell you the truth. Yeah, you're not missing much. <laughs> Sandman's the best part of the movie, probably. Is if it? I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Have you seen it? Uh, probably 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I never saw it. Don't that hold one. me to this, listeners, but I think he's the probably the best part of the movie. Probably the best part of the movie. Okay. I've, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember an emotional subplot with a child. An emotional subplot with a child. And the whole Venom <laughs> plot, I remember being pretty silly. Well, speaking of emotional subplots with children. Yeah. We're reading Bleak House today. Oh, boy. More properly, we're talking about Bleak House. And we brought... Brandon, one of our favorites. Really? In to help discuss this. As a matter of fact, this person requested. So I'm going to guess that this person has a lot of good things to say about Bleak House. We're going to hold them to a high standard because we didn't ask them to come. They I mean, requested. we're happy that they're here. Yeah. But yeah. they specifically wanted to be on. They're always welcome. We have an open door policy with this person because we like this person. Yep. We think they add value to the podcast. Yes. And I need you to introduce our friend. She's into dubstep. Yep. And her name is Danny. Yep. And she is taking the place today of the pastor who's a master of reading. That's right. So she gets to be the pastor's wife. Who's the master's, master's wife of, of reading. Of reading. Hey. Hey, Danny. Hey. All right, Brandon, now talk to her for the 
60 seconds or something like For that. Seconds. I'll time you actually. You need to okay. make like engaging small talk to kind of introduce people and acclimate them to the fact that Danny's here, say some funny stuff, whatever. Apparently you're the host since Jake is gone. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean. Everything's so Jake's curvy. Oh man, what are we doing? Reading <laughs> Alice in Wonderland? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to time you. start quoting the Jabberwock. You've got 60 seconds to engage. Just try to stop some, me. Some light banter. Light banter. Have you ever read the Jabberwocky? I have. Stop. Okay. All right, we're going to start again. Didn't like the direction that was going. Uh, hey, Danny. Wait, no. Oh, okay. All right, I'm going to start it on the count of three. Okay. One, two, three, go. So, Danny, how's life been since you joined us last time? It's been pretty good. Great. You had a baby last time. Where is he? Um, he is at home uh, uh, with hopefully sleeping. Hopefully sleeping. That's Who's the taking plan. care of him? Uh, good friend, Megan. Okay. Good friend. Oh, Megan. We know Megan. We know Megan. Megan's, we know Megan. Megan's getting married. Guys, what on earth is that sound? Christmas music. That we are hearing. Yeah. If there's any bleed through, folks, the Christmas concert's being performed. We do a lot here at Warhorn Media. Our beautiful studio is located in uh, Clear Note Church. And this is a rehearsal. It's not yeah. being performed right now. They're not. Yeah, we're, we're not, not skipping it. Yeah, we're not <laughs> skipping it. Yeah. Christmas <laughs> concert. <laughs> But they are practicing for the We're Christmas. We're this serious concert. about podcasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just skip. We'll skip Christmas if we have to. No, we yeah. no. Um, we recorded our last episode while our families were having Thanksgiving dinner. All right. A uh, baggage check is the part of the show where we talk about what baggage we bring to the book that we are going to read. And so, I've read. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I always say like, did the booking reads? Uh, I don't know why that sticks in my brain that way. Um, I know ladies first, but I think it's. I'm more excited about. Brandon, I love you, but we don't have Danny on every week. And everybody's heard my baggage. Everybody's heard your baggage. So we're going to save Danny for last. Yes. We'll have, you go first. Sweet. Okay. I'd love to talk about my baggage with Dickens. Mm-hmm. Um, Dickens is kind of the reason for what I would see as my youthful renaissance in coming into love literature again. Dickens is the reason that you would see for your youthful renaissance into coming to love literature again. Isn't that a beautiful That's sentence? Beautiful. That's why I paused. <laughs> that is a Let's do that sentence. again. <laughs> uh, speaking, Dickens, speaking of poetry, yeah, yeah, yeah. poetry yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Dickens mm-hmm. was very important to my youth. We're talking about Charles Dickens? Charles Dickens, mm-hmm. yes. What other Dickens is there? Chucky D. A significant part of my youthful renaissance. Of your youthful renaissance, yes. There we go. Deal. Yeah. Is that better? No, I love it. I loved it the first time. Yeah, you should keep that in. I am. This is great. Um, <laughs> so, I first my the first Dickens I read that I remember mm-hmm. was David Copperfield, mm. and we might should have started with David Copperfield, might but should've. we started with Bleak House instead. Possibility Jake might be here if we'd started with David Copperfield. Yeah. And I read David Copperfield. My mm-hmm. mom took it off the shelf and said, "You should read this book." And it took me a couple weeks to really want to read it. Brandon, I don't think we've ever talked about your mom. Does your mom like to read books? She likes to read books, yeah. She's a big supporter of the book. Yeah, I know. She is. She's the the eponymous Rhonda. I don't know if eponymous was really the word I needed there, but... A lovebird. Yeah, she's one of the lovebirds. Yeah, she's a lovebird. Mm -hmm. With my dad, Robert. With your dad, Robert. They are the two birds that love each other. Uh, And she would read to us a lot as children mm -hmm. and instilled in us a love of story. When I say us, I only mean one other person, my brother. Yeah. But still... It only the two of us. It yeah. counts. Hi, Jeremy. What epoch would that be if the Renaissance came through? Uh, well, something that C.S. Lewis wrote mm-hmm. really speaks true to me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to pause there because we had crickets and 
the room. <laughs> oh, um, how boring can you be, Brandon? <laughs> well, the epoch. Oh, so beep, beep, beep. And Dickens. Yes, maybe, folks. That's not Dickens. Maybe it's. Um, I think it is C.S. Lewis in mm-hmm. Surprised by Joy. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Ethel Gar will set me straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if he still listens. Mm-hmm. We may have lost him a long time ago. So Dickens talks about how in boyhood, you have this time where you just love stories, and you love fairy tales, and you love to have good stories told to you, and you love them because they're stories, and you love the way they're told, you love who they're told by, and you love all the plot and all the elements that you'll eventually learn to love again. But then mm-hmm. you go into this awkward age of then later boyhood, which is like between around 10 and 11, mm-hmm. when all boys are just kind of boy kids you don't even want to be around yeah, because they're annoying. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when you just like want to read like war stuff and all this stuff and you're because you're becoming a young man. Mm. And then finally, you'll get back to the age where you'll go back and you'll be more mature in your tastes, but you'll rediscover your love of story again. Mm-hmm. And so that's this period where I was rediscovering. And that was around 12. So That's when that. I found David Copperfield. So when did your when was your period of like I don't your around ten and eleven, like I said. So you had a very short period of becoming a man. <laughs> Maybe you just became a man like oh that well, the testosterone would, was flowing yeah. through you. So. I don't know if that's how it happened, Nathan. But I rediscovered my love of story <laughs> around twelve. Through David Copperfield with David Copperfield. Yeah, and I just loved it. And so through Dickens, I I'm well, I started reading a lot more Dickens. I think the next one I read was. Pickwick Papers, then I read Nicholas Nickleby, Oliver Twist, Tale of Two Cities, until eventually I've read pretty much all his works. The only one I haven't read is Dombey and Sons. Dombey and Sons, yep. which wasn't popular even back in the day, I nope. don't believe. So that is the one Dickens I, I've even read his American travels. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, big fan of Dickens. Bleak House was a late addition to my history with Dickens. Actually, uh, Bleak House falls into the same period of my history with uh as um war and peace and the books are in very similar conditions <laughs> yeah they are covers torn off so <laughs> there was a barnes and noble in downtown fort worth that i love to go to and that's where i first found war and peace and then i found bleak house i think all i was doing at that point was just trying to take any of the biggest books i could mm-hmm. hoping that they might be the next war and peace mm-hmm. and bleak house was fantastic what I loved about it was it seemed to take everything that Dickens was great at with David Copperfield and what I loved, and then marry it with some of the newer stuff that I was discovering, like with Kafka and Dostoevsky, in the sense that it was experimental. Mm-hmm. It was a weird. It's a weird book. It is a very strange mm-hmm. book. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that Dickens ever did anything like this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably part of the reason I loved Bleak House so much, and I still have a nostalgia for it, even though now I would say I think David Copperfield is the better novel. Yeah. Well, it's the one I love more. Just like. I think I love the Henry plays of Shakespeare's mm-hmm. the most, even though I think that Lear and The Tempest are his best plays. Are more... Well, Does that make sense? Yes, yes, absolutely. So I bring to Dickens a great love for him. You like Dickens. And when I got into graduate school... Oh, I, there's a funny story when I went to, when I went into undergrad. I was a snob, pretentious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first day of undergrad, when we had orientation, I took the seven plays by Yeats mm-hmm. and was reading it like so everybody could see me reading it. Oh, no. I know. Oh, it was no. pretty bad. It was pretty bad. <laughs> I liked it, but mm. still, I didn't want to talk to anyone. Sure. I just wanted to read Yates. Mm. But there was a guy there. He was reading the Pickwick Papers, and so I kind of got my a taste of my own medicine. I went up to him, and I said, hey, you like Dickens? And he looked at me, and he said, yeah, I do. And then he got up and like walked across the room. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> so, Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know about these. But I would quickly find out that Dickens wasn't very respected in the academy. My history of Dickens. I don't think that I have read much Dickens since my renaissance. 
I think Dickens mostly came before my age of enlightenment, even. He was in your dark ages. Yeah, he's in my dark ages. Like, Dickens is something I really enjoyed as a kid. Uh, and I remember my mom loves, one of my mom's great loves in life is the George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. which if you haven't seen it, it is, it is the best. It is a wonderful adaptation of Christmas Carol. Denny, have you seen this version of A Christmas Carol? I think so. Alex and I watched like six of them last Christmas, and I think that was one of them. Well, this is the, that's a good one. I have and, not. Yeah. Well, yeah, I grew up with that Scrooge, and so I pretty much have it memorized, and that was my first entry point. And then my parents both loved watching anything Dickens, which I have to imagine a lot of people probably discovered Dickens this way through the BBC kind of adaptations and the things that would show up yeah. on PBS. Yeah. So I just remember constantly watching anything Dickens that came on, we would watch. And I always really liked watching him. And there was this play that was done of Nicholas Nickleby, which I didn't actually get to see, but I got to see a televised version. And it was this really cool eight hour play where you just went all day. It's a pretty famous performance of Nicholas Nickleby and they just basically perform the novel like it's all the dialogue it's not all the descriptive passages which obviously you're missing something without those but it's this really elaborate thing and we we used to watch the video of that so my first when I really think about Dickens I think of him visually first that's just mm-hmm. the baggage I bring to it I'm sorry if that offends purists but no <sighs> to be quite honest I completely forgot about that aspect but yeah that'd be that would technically be my first like the Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. Scrooge sure, would be my first introduction. To oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. And I remember watching that in my grandparents and loving it. I wasn't never, I think maybe I wasn't allowed to watch that one because it has hell at the end or something like that. I don't know. But I think Bluto is dressed as the devil or something, which was yeah, you're kind, of a, right. kind of a no-no in our house. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up watching a lot of Dickens. And then in, of- when I got to the time of my own personal renaissance or no this is still still i don't know when does a renaissance happen is are we just is renaissance like a word for puberty <laughs> it's just whenever you just started to fall back in love with good books yeah well i never fell out of love with well there books, you go Brandon. so <laughs> right you were always wonderful you were you are a renaissance yes my birth was my renaissance right. <laughs> um, your birth was the world's renaissance your birth was the world's renaissance that's a nice line of poetry right yeah. there i like it so what dickens have i read that is the question. I've read lots of Dickens. I've read Oliver Twist, which I don't like. I've read Great Expectations, mm-hmm. which I actually I've tackled Great Expectations a number of times. I think maybe I finished it, but I don't like those two. And those are just about the only two Dickens that I don't like because I like most Dickens and I grew up with Dickens and I enjoy adaptations of those stories. But for some reason, those two are hard for me to read through i don't know why particularly great expectations maybe it's just weighted with high school e kind of like everybody has to read great expectations e kind of stuff it's also just kind of dim, grim and dour and pip's not a very likable hero and i don't know something about great expectations never really did it for me but i have read lots of dicks that i like tale of two cities was great had to read that in high school loved it didn't don't think i had a good teacher te- no i did have a good teacher teaching it and that helped david copperfield probably one of my favorite novels really good Really wonderful. Don't like what happens to his first wife very much at all. I think that's think it's kind of sexist, actually. But, uh, Danny, what's your baggage? Well, I hadn't thought about Christmas Carol, but yeah, I think it's my first exposure to I'm at Christmas Carol. We watched it a lot growing up. And then I read Tale of Two Cities freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. I probably did, too. That was the class that I met Alex in. Aww. Was it the best of times then? It was. It was best of times. Then ever since then, 
best of times. Okay, I thought you were going to say worst of times. No, it's all been good. All been good. Um, and then read uh, Great Expectations going into sophomore year. So you guys might appreciate this. Going into sophomore year, we had to read two books mm-hmm. and compare and contrast. Classic English essay. Um, the options, you had to read Pygmalion. Nice. And then you were supposed to read A Handmaid's Tale. Oh, no. That great classic. Mm-hmm. And if for some reason you had some sort of problem mm-hmm. with that great classic, you could read Dickens. Okay. Great Expectations was the other option. The, like, substitute option. So you read, what were you comparing Great Expectations Pygmalion. to? Pygmalion. Like George Bernard Shaw? Yeah. What does Great Expectations have to do with Pygmalion? Oh, it's transformation. a yeah, transformation. transformation story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Alfred doesn't transform into anything but a subservient handmaiden in The Handmaid's Tale. Well, I haven't read it. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't read it because I read Great Expectations. You read instead, it, you read. And I really liked it. Yeah, really. Um, I know, which is, well, I think I'm unusual in that regard. Yeah, I've talked um, to more people. One of the reasons I wasn't ashamed to say I didn't like that or Oliver Twist is because I feel like I've talked to a lot of people that have banged their heads against those two. Well, I think what's, what I, it's interesting that you said the thing about uh, visual. I think mm-hmm. we're talking about TV and movie stuff, but yeah, yeah. what I really remember so strongly of Dickens, that's part of it is that you, I don't remember very much from Great Expectations, but I have certain scenes visually burned yeah. in my head. Almost like sense and, <laughs> Yeah, and, and Tale of Two Cities too. So yeah, it, makes, and- it makes sense that he's been adapted to visual media frequently. And that's... He has all three things that you need for a good visual adaptation. He's got a crackling good story that, you know, has lots of twists and turns and stuff. He's got reams of colorful dialogue. And yeah, he's got a good visual imagination. I always think of when poor Nancy gets her brains bashed in and Oliver Twist. There's probably a nicer way to describe that, but that's the way that I decided to go with. There's the guy has, what does he use to kill her with? Bill Sykes. Yeah, he uses something. Yeah, he (laughs) hits her with something until she's dead. Um, And then he has that thing whatever it is, and he's holding it in the fire and there's little bits of flesh yes. and hair and they're crackling in the fire, which is what I thought of when Danny said that <laughs> well. Dickens has a visual because that's well, just an yeah, I remember like, I remember Miss Havisham with her cobweb covered wedding cake mm-hmm. sitting at that long table and that's just, that's a, an image that I have in my head that I've had since I was, what, 15, 16? Mm-hmm. Half my life. Um, and... From Tale of Two Cities, similar. I, and actually, I re, I've reread Tale of Two Cities at least once since high school because I didn't I really like, like that. that. I'd, I'd like I'd like to do that on the booking someday. I loved Tale of Two Cities. Feels like such a kind of cliche to do it on a lit podcast, but oh, it's so good though. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, so baggage. Mm-hmm. One thing that I don't like about Dickens, and I have or I haven't liked about him, and that especially in Tale of Two Cities, is just how meh his female protagonists are. Yeah, yes. his female villains are fantastic. Right. Um, but so I was I was hoping that I wanted to read Dickens to see if maybe this would be redeeming and we'll find out, mm-hmm. I suppose. But then I didn't know that Bleak House is 800 pages long. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that was a surprise mm-hmm. when Alex handed me the book. Uh-huh. So I'm actually glad that I asked to be on because there is no way I would ever have read this. Yeah. Even if it was like, oh, the book name's reading it. That's great. Like when the, it wouldn't uh, have happened unless yeah. I really had to. Unless you just had to. Yeah. There's Jake. He's staggering in, coming from a bachelor party. He's probably three sheets to the wind. The sand is coming together, and he's forming. <laughs> he's forming. It's the body of Jake. It's the body of Jake. So Jacob Bensel's walking in now, folks. He's the pastor. He's a master's reading. He's wearing some fantastic shoes, some jeans, a yeah, different shoes. Those show the those early, are great shoes. Early shoes got they a bad review cleaned. from. 
Oh man, wow. PF Flyers, baby. Yeah, PF Chang's. Flyers. And yeah, I totally thought PF Chang's. <laughs> PF Chang's. Yeah. <laughs> the bookening is now doing uh, <laughs> corporate sponsors. Corporate sponsor. <laughs> Jake's here. I was just finished my baggage. Danny's in the middle of her baggage. Jake. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt your baggage. She was talking about the details. Yeah. The details. Can I point out one that I really like from Bleak House? Please. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where Cook spontaneously combusts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one I can never. I have never been able to get this image out of my mind. They go down more dead than alive and holding one another push open the door of the uh, back shop. The cat has retreated close to it and stands snarling, not at them, at something on the ground before the fire. There is a very little fire left in the grate, but there is a smoldering, suffocating vapor in the room and a dark, greasy coating on the walls mm-hmm. and the ceiling. You just, the way he describes it, and once you realize what it is, what the grease is, yes, it's pretty... Re- yeah, I've thought of that same, that yeah. dark, greasy thing ever since I finished it. disgusting, yeah. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's the remains of Crook. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go, Nate. (laughs) You're a regular Inspector Bucket. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's crook. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they see it out the the window on the windowsill. Yeah. It's so weird. Did they include that part in the... Has anybody watched the adaptation? Yeah, it's in there. Is it in there? I don't... I didn't remember. It's appropriately strange, so... Yeah, it's... Well, I knew that there was a spontaneous combustion coming, and I still... That totally surprised me. That whole thing with the smell of like burnt pork yeah. and things like that. <laughs> it's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Your shirt has famous godly women on it. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Who's Sarah again? Uh, Sarah Edwards. Oh, Sarah Edwards. Su- Sarah Edwards, Susanna Wesley, Katerina. Or Susanna Spurgeon. Luther. Luther. Mm-hmm. And then Lady Jane Grey. Is just Lady, Lady Jane, Jane Grey. Grey. Trying to pl- I was actually trying to call up Luther instead of Von Boren. Yeah. So you, Brandon gave us an example of a detail. Danny, yeah. now you can continue with the rest of your baggage. I think I was pretty much done, actually. Okay. Right? We should, we should, we should summarize, though. Brandon, he really likes Dickens, Jake. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I did know that. <laughs> I like Dickens. I mostly grew up with him in the medium of television, which is, I think, how a lot of people see and enjoy Dickens, actually. So I bet there's some people that are listening that relate to that. Do not like Oliver Twist all that much. I like the story. But do you like Oliver and Company? Of course. Got great songs by it's the great Disney. Billy, Billy Joel. Joel. Um, a cute little orange cat. Danny has not read as much Dickens as people that have read a lot of Dickens, but she's liked all the Dickens that she's read. When I was right. one, I so yeah, I asked. I particularly was oh, thinking about. Really sad. I wanted to see Dickens's Dickens's portrayals of women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny does not typically in. enjoy Dickens' terrible, vapid, uh, thinly portrayals written of women. Portrayals of women. Well, yeah. he usually has some. Barmaids or some villain women that are yeah there. his villainous women are interesting and and but actually the good I, ones are like well and it's a com it's a problem too with I don't know like like there's a similar other authors of that era who have these angelic Victorian. angelic women who are just oh yeah sentimental gross. and the the women and children both is just like gross Victorian yeah. sentimentality yeah um, there's a fate have you read Jean Stratton Porter she's a favorite with some of my friends and I she's fine I just her at that same problem. Yeah, she'd have the same problem. Most of the Brontes have the same problem. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of too. I'm trying to think of someone who doesn't have that problem from that era. Victorian. Oh boy, that'd be tough. Um, who are the famous Victorians? I mean, Meg Thackeray. Yeah, he has that problem with Vanity Fair. Well, maybe Becky less. Thatcher's not. Um, the heroine of Vanity Fair is not like that. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Maybe he's less than. I would. Yeah. I'd... Vanity Fair would be an interesting one to do. One year. That would be an interesting one to do. Um. Wilkie Collins. There George Eliot does not have that problem. Well, yeah, that's true. Middlemarch. She's March. also a woman. Um, but we decided not to do Middlemarch. Yeah, we did. Sorry. Yet. Sorry. Yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Season five. Season five. Or 
Are, are you prepared to make that promise? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't have a good taste of, uh, what's her face, George Eliot, but maybe she's great. I don't know. Arthur Conan Doyle definitely does have that problem. H. Ryder Haggard, all the pulp guys. It's almost like men tend to have the problem. What? <laughs> what, well, the Brontes? That's true, the Brontes. Ernest Hemingway. He's I would say especially yeah. Wuthering Heights he has the problem. Yeah, I read that's Jane funny. Eyre. I would say Jane Eyre less so. Oh yeah, yeah, not not so much. Jane, Jane Eyre. herself is a pretty well-rounded, mm-hmm. not insipid character. <laughs> no, and, and there's I don't know. I don't I don't think of that with Wuthering Heights, but I think I just have other memories from it. Well, I don't really remember. Wuthering Heights is such a strange book. Yeah, it's mostly Heathcliff is the interesting part of that novel, and I think the women are kind of boring and virtuous, as I recall. But oh, they're not necessarily. Catherine's not very virtuous. No. But. In Wuthering Heights? I remember her being more yeah. interesting than a, yeah. than this angelic, you know, like yes. uh, Tale of Two Cities. What's her name? The main um, chick. Uh, what is her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's pretty boring. So maybe I need to take that back about the Brontes? Yeah. I think they're less. Okay. I'll take it back about the Brontes. Well, Jane Eyre is definitely not like that. And I think she's right. Wuthering Heights is weird and in some ways superficial as it is. I don't think it fits what you're saying about. Yeah. Well, there is women. the lovey-dovey couple in Wuthering Heights that are like the good guy couple, and they're pretty boring. I think, aren't they? Just kind of towards like, the end. They're just yeah, the ones that the stand the the new Catherine and Heathcliff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But they're yeah, they're just like typical. They're just kind of boring. Just kind of like Jonathan and Mina and Dracula. We'll have or, to do that one too one day, huh? Oh yeah, we'll do that for sure. Next year we're packing it. We're packing it with hits, folks. But somehow we're not doing either of those, even though those are hits. Season one was hits. Season two and three have kind of been hit less hits. Um, what did you Obscure. say? Hit and miss. Hit and miss. <laughs> More misses. <laughs> Lucy <laughs> Manette. That's her name. Lucy Manette. Yes. Oh, from uh, yeah, 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 Tale yeah, of Two yeah. Cities. I read your blonde, Kipling. golden blonde, and uninteresting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I obviously we all like blonde, uninteresting women in real life. Yeah. Right. Just not in our literature. Chip McGregory does. Tall blondes. Tall blondes. As oh, I yeah. recall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Are we? No, we're good at writing women. Yeah, we're great. We wrote one woman character that was kind of fit that mold, which was Maggie. But then she went bad and wasn't like that at all. Yeah. And all our other women characters are well-rounded. Boom. I think Ricky's a pretty good example. Yeah. We just operate under the principle that everyone's a terrible person. And that saves us from a whole lot of errors. <laughs> a whole lot of errors. <laughs> and maybe a couple of virtues. All right. Uh, Jake, we haven't even gotten to your baggage yet. What's your baggage, man? My baggage. I think I've read some of those like illustrated classic classic stickins like Oliver Twist mm-hmm. yeah. when I was a kid. We never really talked about illustrated classics, but man, probably my, my introduction to a lot of the famous novels would be through Wishbone and through illustrated Wishbone. classics. Yeah, I forgot about Wishbone. I never watched Wishbone. Um, he did Tale of Two Cities. I feel, like it, I feel like I might have been just old enough to miss Wishbone, but maybe not. But um, I wasn't, and you're a year-ish older than me, so which yeah, means you might have just hit the cutoff, just, just barely, yeah. maybe, yeah. But yeah, but I definitely read Oliver Twist's uh, illustrated classics, so I have some vague memory of that. Not really, yeah, wasn't taken by it by any stretch. I liked Oliver and Company. Mm-hmm. I got to high school, and I had a teacher. Ah, yes. You've told this story on the booking before. Many a time. Mm-hmm. And it ruined you. You ruined Dickens for The specific for question that ruined Dickens for me was what color was Pip's bag on page mm-hmm. 72. What this color was it? a point of yeah, trauma. Yeah, what color was Pip's bag? I don't remember. Way. This is a I, point of trauma for Jake. I think I guessed brown, but mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> One day he needs to sit down I guess with. brown. Mm-hmm. I 
just hated every minute I spent in Dickens in high school, in part because it just, it was to me at the time tedious and boring and lame and not a lot of payoff. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't what I was looking for or what I cared about. And I, you know, my characterization of Dickens would have been, you know, why do I need to spend three pages with Dickens describing the color of the leaves because he's being paid by the word. No, because he's funny. <laughs> yeah, those leaves are hilarious. <laughs> oh, you know what I hated in Bleak House, by the way? Can I just say this? Mm-hmm. Lord Snogsby and Mr. Bogsby and Lord Shogsby talking to Scogsby talking, whatever that whole thing was. Oh, Chottle and Waddle. Chottle and Waddle. That yeah, was yeah. so lame. There are so many well, things co- like that. Coddle and bottle and oh, oh yeah, doodle, yeah. coodle and boodle and doodle and doodle and, and, yeah, yeah. and there's so many things noodle. like that in Dickens that for me it's just hard <laughs> to like get past. It's like I had a friend quit at that part. Which with boodle and you know, I think so. You, yeah, you hit up against these chapters that are just like and you not sure for think something you're funny, completely Dickens? different, yeah. where he's being just very self-absorbed. He thinks he's hilarious, or he thinks he's being really poetic. It's just like maybe people back then just. I I think people thought he was. I think people enjoyed it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure they did. But and and I'm sure that a lot of it for me is context. Mm -hmm. I don't live in a world where my one bit of entertainment is when the magazine finally comes over from Britain with the one entertaining writer out there who's going to do something zany and different this time, you know, or something suspenseful, or he's going to like you know give me five different. I get that. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying that you hate literature and <laughs> in reading, in reading, in reading, in life, in life. Made Jake hate and the, you. Jake's <laughs> quitting the book. <laughs> I don't blame you for the last one. <laughs> no, I'm just. That was the way that I felt about Dickens, and in no small part because of I think because of that teacher, that particular teacher. But that was the same teacher that introduced me to Shakespeare. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just weird. Maybe Dickens just doesn't do it. So, but so he wasn't doing it for me back then, mm-hmm. and so coming to and so I've just completely since then avoided Dickens. Mm-hmm. I like determined that I just decided that I hated Dickens. Mm-hmm. Determined that I hated Dickens. Y'all told me I was wrong. I believed you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so then I came to Bleak House. <laughs> I just want to say I'm looking at Jake's book right now. There's yes. a bookmark in this book. <laughs> oh man! Where's it at? The wow. bookmark is. Oh, maybe a tenth of the way. No, that's not quite well. That is not I don't know. fair. The twentieth. It's a not a 25th, pages, I wouldn't maybe? say. Where'd you quit? That bookmark. I didn't quit. I just had trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're going to finish it next we week. We should have started with David Copperfield. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm not quitting, but I I had trouble. I had a lot of hangups and a lot of things to get past. Now, I will tell you that the first chapter, I was completely in. Mm-hmm. And then he just kept doing things that was like, ugh. Or, and then he would do things to draw me back in. And then he'd do things that I was like, ugh. I don't want to read this. Well, I think, and then he do things to draw me back in. Well, what's and funny is... It's just go ahead. been difficult for me to get over. He has a style that in and of itself, I have already... Uh, I'm prejudiced against it uh-huh. and prejudiced against him. And so just the way that he creates... If I feel like I'm stepping into Dickens' world, I have a lot of bad associations with Dickens' world. And it all feels the same to me. But he does things that overcome it in places and I don't know. It was just I I haven't had enough time. This is a big book and I haven't had enough time 
And I think if I had more time to spend in my, you know, more space in my life right now, to more read. time just to sit and read, I'd eventually get over my hangups and come to love him and this book. I, the, the farther in I've gotten, and I've only gotten almost 200 pages in, the more convinced what I've chapter? become to... Huh? What chapter? Just out of curiosity. Portman. No, Esther's narrative. I, I, it took me, I mean, this, I, I did not know it was this long when I asked to be on this episode. Yeah. And I wouldn't have read it if I weren't going to be on this episode. <laughs> what did make you ask to be? Because Danny requested to be on this episode. You just thought, hey, Dickens is fun. Yeah. Well, one. yeah, because I like Dickens. And I did want to talk about his female characters. And yeah. Well, I'm, I am glad that we have a woman um, on. I'm proud that we've thanks. done a bunch of it, Jane Austen things and never had a woman. I know I you are. That's one of our claims to fame. But What's weird about this book is it sets the tone of the book very early. So mm-hmm. that uh-huh. first chapter, like Jake says, is pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. I, then, was, I was completely there. Yeah. And the way he describes the courts at Chancery and all this, but then... I thought it was funny. I thought it was... Uh, the yeah. atmospherics were much better than I had remembered or given Dickens yeah. credit for or been willing to. Uh, I was just like prepared when I read that first chapter to really love the book. And yeah. then I just kept hitting up against things that were slowing me down. Well, it takes a while for this book then after that to find its feet. And That's he, what, well, yeah. He has, to, he has to establish his characters... And the book is most interesting when it gets back into the world that he has in that first well, chapter. Well, but what feels mm-hmm. difficult to me is that you, I don't ever feel like, like to, to compare him to a recent example in Rolling, I quickly learned that there are no pieces that Rolling puts on the table that she isn't going to make some kind of use of one way or another. Mm-hmm. And so I learned to trust very quickly Rolling is... You know, I, this is all going to pay off. I've never felt that way with Dickens, ever. Like, there are just things that are there because he thought that was funny or clever. There are characters that he just throws out there, and it's like, and then they're gone. Yeah. And you don't know if they're ever going to come back or not. And that's, that's... I will say... I think they all come back. Yeah. That was that, one, that was a surprising thing for me. That's why we keep telling you you like Dickens, because... Or that you... That's why I maintain my book. faith that eventually... Well, well, I don't know if you'll... But... I think eventually we will read a Dickens novel that you will love because you will invest in it and you will keep reading and reading and wondering when it's all going to pay off. And, and then, then it, it will. And then it actually yeah, will. Yeah, because like one of the payoffs, one of the big final chapters of David Copperfield is pretty much all the minor characters who are kind of lovable and interesting getting to come in and slap Uriah Heap in the face. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, like yeah. the final chapter. Mm-hmm. Is it's, It all comes to mm-hmm. this head and... So, I mean, Rowling, there's a reason she loves Dickens so much, too. Does right? she? Yeah. Yeah, well. Because he's kind of... I mean, a, you can certainly see certain Dickensian things. Now, the difference... Like the naming of characters and... Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the difference like between that. Dickens... Her and Dickens is Dickens... And it does... I mean, some of it has to do with him having a quota with words. But this was in the era of his life where he no longer really had to. He could just kind of had free reign. But it felt like... Okay, but it still feels like... Either way you you spin it to me, it feels like he's undisciplined in his storytelling. Yes. Either he is just writing words to hit a quota and being paid by the word, or he has no restraint, and he's just going to do whatever he feels like. I think there's truth to that. And yeah. it feel, if it feels like that to me, then that's, that's difficult. I think know? that this is the period... I mean, Dickens could have used an editor. Yeah. And he could have been a better editor for himself. Steinbeck was a little that way in East of Eden. Oh, Steinbeck was a lot that way. But I felt on the hook yep. in Steinbeck in a way that I've not that I've had trouble feeling on the hook. 
You're also an American and not a Victorian. Yeah, I was Brit. just thinking. So, yeah. I mean, the airplane story, for yeah. example, is just as useless to that narrative. It's just like something Steinbeck liked, but it's something that we also like. Whereas Dickens is just like that's fair. I really don't I like preachers. That. So here's a preacher doing a bunch of satirical stuff, and it's like, yeah. who cares? Danny, your thoughts? Okay, I think the first maybe 600 page, 500, 600 pages took mm-hmm. me about a month, and I actually the first few weeks would write on my to do list. Five pages of Dickens. Mm-hmm. That's like, the way you had to. Yeah, for for, for the very beginning, yourself. that's how I got through that's, it. That's the um, way that I even got as far well. As and one I of got. the biggest problems for me is that you can't you can't read Dickens with interruptions. Mm-hmm. And I live with interruptions. Yeah, yeah. I have five of them, mm-hmm. shorter mm-hmm. than me. And and so I had to find times where it was silent and no one would interrupt me mm. to actually get in and understand what was going on and you know you get interrupted and you look back and you realize oh this one sentence was the entire paragraph i have to start over it's just a problem Mm -hmm. but so it took me about a month maybe to do the first 500 600 pages and then the last bit was i think a week and the last 100 pages was just a day Mm -hmm. and i read it with kids running around and it didn't really matter oh yeah Yeah. because that point he has you yeah oh yeah by then it just didn't matter by the time you get the last like when bucket is taking over and they're like Uh uh-huh they're trying to find out well, and I knew like you. It's pretty brilliant that he wraps in a mystery story there. At the end. Yeah, you talked before about how there's a mystery involved, yeah. and so I was a little looking throughout for where, like, where's the mystery? Who's mm. in this? Well, isn't the mystery that this pretty lady? No. Sorry, that's one mystery, but no, you'll be surprised. And how the dead quick, guy. The dead you'll guy. Be, you'll be surprised how quickly that mystery. The dead guy and the pretty lady. Yeah. The pretty lady is. That's kind of spoiled later. That early. Mid novel, right? I think that whole yeah, I think for the so. sake of our listeners, we're probably going to have to spoil some things for Jake because that's fine. I, that's, yeah, you, that, you, it's my problem, not yours. That's part of the magic trick he's playing as well. Is he? You think that's going to be the mystery, but it's not. Okay, it's a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And the guy that died of opium is the. No. There's no. another thing that no, comes. there's something else. No. Later. We're going to have to spoil it for you. That's fine. Yeah. Tolkien Horn gets killed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the revelation of Jake's face. Esther's mother yeah. and all that stuff actually gets resolved by halfway through. So that's not any tension. There's actually. some. There, there's not ultimate tension, but yeah, all of that has that comes to do out of with that. why it happens and the pieces that are at play at that moment. But yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. the more you talk, the more interested I. And the death of Tolkienhorn is pretty great too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing so. Dickens does have a lot of description, and it is does get tedious reading him. Mm-hmm. But part of the thing he's doing is he's he's grabbing your attention, and he's very theatrical. He's setting the stage for you, mm-hmm. yeah, um, more than a lot of novelists do. Yeah, Tolstoy does it. Mm-hmm. Tolstoy, I think, does it better. But oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I didn't have that. any trouble with Anna Karenina. Same link. You're not going to have any trouble with War and Peace. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. We haven't announced that yet, have we? Well, no, let's announce it here. We're doing War and Peace next year. Yeah. Well, hey. it's our big Christmas book next year. Merry Christmas <laughs> to Brandon. <laughs> I don't fault Dickens for this at all because I know and am learning how difficult it is to write compelling characters and compelling stories. Mm-hmm. But he gives you cartoons and then he tries to make you care about his cartoons. Yeah. And Tolstoy gives They're you real from the real yeah. people from the very <clears throat> beginning and he has a magical way of hmm. making them real from the beginning if only i knew of something 
that was being created at this moment where it's a little bit like you're given a cartoon and then yet somehow the creators yes i understand i understand. cry every time <laughs> yeah go uh, ahead it's so ironic uh, what are you talking about? Uh, I don't know. Sanity, Sanity Bill. I recognize yeah. and realize that we're as Dickensian as yeah, you guys anything Dickens, else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know that. That doesn't mean that I have to like Dickens. It's the anxiety of influence. Harold Bloom has got it right. Jake doesn't like Dickens because Jake is Dickens. Is like <laughs> he's the, yeah he's yeah. he's. He hates himself. Everything that Dickens, <laughs> right. yeah. because just like Dickens was just carrying over what Shakespeare did really well, mm-hmm. very theatrical, almost doesn't quite seem real, and yet somehow it all comes together to be this wonderful thing. Dickens well, is doing very similar stuff because yeah. that's yeah. one thing about Shakespeare. Often I'll read and I'll be like, "Why is this here? I don't understand." Like The Fool mm-hmm. in Lear, mm-hmm. and yet if you take The Fool away, it just changed the play. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. And yet if you were to sit me down right now and require me to come up with an essay as to why the fool is important to the Lear. I don't know. Because he's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there needed to be some breathing space. Yeah. Without it, you take away that color and... Like, and so you go in here, why does Mr. Turveydrop have to be in this Mm. book? Right. The dancer, dance master Uh with the... I guess it's just so that that early Jellybee, what's Mm. her name? Caddy. Caddy. Caddy Jellybee can Mm. have something happy. And yet still hardship, but be happy. Right. I mean, they're kind of the, actually, now that I think of it, they're kind of the foil to Skimple. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. I, Turvy Drop is the happy dancing master, mm-hmm. but at least he's a hard worker. And they still have a hard life. Prince Turley Drop, you mean? Prince Turley yeah. Drop, thank you. Not Mr. Mr. Turley Drop's an idiot. <laughs> the names Prince are amazing. Turvy Drop. Turvy Drop. Is it Turvy Drop? Yeah. Turvy Drop. Prince Turvy Drop. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but right, they're, they're the foil to Skimple. Isn't that one of the reasons they're there? Yeah. They have the hard life. Mm -hmm. And yet Skimple has the, he's an artist as well, Mm -hmm. but Skimple is the leech that, Mm -hmm. talk about it, Matt, one of the chapters that does almost rival Tolstoy would be the chapter where they go and visit Skimple in his house. Mm -hmm. Oh man. That is such good, that's really good stuff. Yeah, it's awful though. It's awful, but it really, his mastery there of just showing you. He's been stacking the decks against Skimple without actually showing you it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the house and it just shows you who Skimple is. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Yeah. And he does it mainly through the wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that right? No, I don't remember his wife. I remember his daughters. Yeah. I don't remember his wife. And then have you ever actually read Bleak House? I haven't. <laughs> but I haven't reread that chapter yet. <laughs> I didn't finish it this time either. Been too busy. I actually started it early enough to try to manage to finish it. And then I finished it too fast and I forget some stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Anyways. Here's, here's the thing. I, this is going to be the most obvious thing that I've maybe ever said on the bookening, but it kept striking me as I read this book. This book comes from an era when people actually liked to read. Like this was their entertainment. Yeah. And yeah. so they yes. wanted it to go on and be colorful and absorb their time and paint a real picture because they couldn't actually get those pictures yeah, on and the I TV. Think, I think that's, that's sort of even what I was maybe alluding to when I say I don't fault Dickens or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever, but. I'm not I sure also, that we uh, should fault you for well, living what in a I said, world what, where that what stuff is I, Yeah, a what I said is drag, context, though. right? And then I think mm. that's what I meant. It's like, well, I don't, you know, maybe this is stupid. And and probably it is. And maybe most of our listeners will think it is. And that's okay. But, you know, I don't, I've got movies and TV and all kinds of, a world of literature that's been developed since the time of Dickens. And I don't need him to be my everything. Your eyes and ears into... Yeah, I don't need him to be my one source of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And that's not his fault because he was writing to people 
for people that didn't have a whole lot. Well, if you mm-hmm. imagine getting one installment of this thing a month, and that was you'd all that I could have, want to luxuriate I would and, love and you'd it. Want it to be a feast. I would and love Dickens it. Would be I would your love it because and he would be my hero. And every time he changed his tone or tried something completely different or threw something else in, it was like, oh, there's would, more to feed on here. For yeah, it would month. just be that much more color and interest. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I really like that our edition had. Um, End of first, yeah. End of first serial, end of second serial. Let's see, see the cliffhangers you set up, and I'm guessing that every time you were unengaged, it was a middle of a serial, and reengaged was probably the end. That's that's true. That would be an interesting thing to see. I can almost 100 percent guarantee that that each of the serial kind of, well, like a Harry Potter novel, really, Mm -hmm. uh, brings it home towards the end of the serial to make you really want the next one. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. he was a he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And um, a lo- another thing that I found in- interesting, a lot of the characters were actually based on people. Mm-hmm. So like um, Skimple is actually based on a guy named Leigh Hunt, who was oh, yeah. like, he was the guy behind making the romantic poet so famous. Hmm. And he was known as being this effete artist who was always in debtor's prison, hmm. who was pretty much just worthless, kind of like Ezra Pound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so well, it's kind of like- Take that Ezra yeah. Pound. Uh, you can imagine then the like the literary circles would all be reading it and they'd be like scandalized and talking and gossiping. But then also imagining families just sitting around and reading this around the fire. Yes, that's what I imagined. That. Like mm-hmm. just open up to a random passage here. The few passengers start, stop and stare about them. I mean, you hear the alliteration there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So like uh, some windows and doors are opened and people come out to look. It was a loud report and echoed and rattled heavily. I mean, it like it wants to be read slowly. And wants, wants to be read, to be read, out read aloud. aloud. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 absolutely. It shook one house, or so a man says, who says who is, was passing. Say so, says, says. So <laughs> passing. It has aroused all the dogs in the neighborhood who bark vehemently. Mm. So one thing we've done at our house, uh, not last year, but we're all friends with Curtis Cook, mm. and he would read Christmas Carol out loud mm. to all of us, and it was really fun. Cool. Well, yeah. yeah. I want to read that with my kids this year. It's a a fun thing to read out loud, yeah. And so you just imagine that they would be getting the serials, they would come in, Mm -hmm. and they would all just sit down together. The husband would read out loud to his wife or whatever around the fire, and this would be their form of entertainment in the evening, would be reading this out loud together. And have all that elaborate verbiage, you know, Scrooge was a surly skin flint of an old, you know. Yeah, and it helps to also then realize that Dickens, in the last part of his life, he was famous, one one, uh, source of it, what made him so famous was he would travel and he would read mm-hmm. his books out loud. Oh, yeah, this traveling circuit. That's cool. Yeah, and so he would like he that was part of his American tours. He went over there to read sections of uh, Little Dorrit or whatever out loud to people, mm-hmm. and then he would read sections of this book out loud too. And like he was a, he was a performer. He was always doing uh, play. He was always performing in plays and in theater. So he was very theatrical in the way he imagined his books too. Mm-hmm. So they are very mm-hmm. theatrical. And I always, that that's like, I understand the tedium mm-hmm. of some of his set dressing, but that's always the way I've seen it is he's trying to give you the setting mm-hmm. and also at the same time, make it interesting. Well, he also expects you to perform it. If only in your head, yeah. you have to bring a certain amount of color to it and bring it to life, uh, which is something that a modern author may not expect of you. What they will do is they will get out of the way and make sure the story happens as quickly as possible mm-hmm. and as without relying on you to make it pop to, yeah. To, to stop and say, how is this character actually saying this? How does Mr. Turvey Drop talk? Um, I listened to a lot of this uh, book on Audible, and it was fun to hear the guy mm-hmm. do, um, I mean, he just, for the, the dance instructor's dad, he talked like this, and he was very feet, and, you know, yeah. just doing different things like that uh-huh. was fun. Yeah, one of my, 
one an example I'll go I go to when people are talking about the details in Dickens mm-hmm. is in Martin Chuzzlewit. There's like six pages where he's just talking about the leaves getting blown down, being blown down the street. Mm-hmm. And you would think that would be boring. But if you actually that read is in it's... fact Jake's fake example that he uses when talking about like <laughs> well, I always hated Dickens because I just thought of him as a guy that would spend six pages on leaves. <laughs> yeah. Well, this actually really does happen. That is my fake example. Yeah, and, and you would think it would be boring, but in Dickens, because of the way he says it, the way he writes it, the way the um, rhetoric he uses and the descriptions he uses, it's actually if you read it slow and you are just allow yourself to. Um, realize it's a performance. Mm-hmm. It, it can be pretty fun, actually. Yeah, that sounds guys, fun. We have so like Dickens. The problem we have, we have so many threads here, but we've already gone too long. We have to come back next week. What? Yeah, Jake, you started to say the pro. The problem. We're gonna find out for us. We're gonna find out next week what the problem is. Well, maybe I'll we should end on it. We'll make people. Yeah, this is gonna be like a Dickensian cliffhanger. End of serial three. Yeah. People will find out next week what the problem is. But guys, of course. Well, he wants to tell us the problem. Well, he will. I will. Next week. Oh. But let's do some donor shout outs, eh? Let's do it. All right. How shall we do them? Danny will do them um, to a dubstep beat. To a dubstep uh, beat. And Brandon will do the beat. I don't know. I'm really glad beats. we're perpetuating this dubstep thing. Perpetuating the dubstep. You asked Not. for it. You said you wanted a name. Uh, I was the mom who's a bomb of reading. That's the name so you, you originally gave me. No, that's the name you gave yourself. False. Then, we might have come up with Mom Who's Bomb. I don't think so. I think I said I'm a mom, and then Nathan provided the rest of it. I don't know. What'd no, you I call me earlier? Pastor's, like, pastor's I wife? I the mom who's a bomb of reading. Did I say that? I think It's you did. possible. You're the pastor's and wife. So who's a... Nathan was like, I refuse to give you that, because that's what you asked for. You're going to be. That doesn't sound like Danny. me. But then he's called. And <laughs> he's... No, it doesn't sound like you at all, does it? <laughs> he has called me that later. No, you're the mom who's a bomb of... Stuff, but Dubstep Danny, you have a lot of titles that yeah. you go by on our podcast. <clears throat> Those two, really. Um, well, Erica Rose Bloom. That's not really a title. That's a character name that you. That's play. true. All right. Oh, fine. We won't do a dubstep beat. We'll we'll just do it in Dickensian accents. Oh, guy. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you'd say that. All right. Yeah, of course. All right. I'll throw to you guys and you can do them. Uh, what about Jake, dear? Yeah. Well, of course, Jake can do it. I know Jake loves the accents. Um, all right. <laughs> all right, Brandon, you can do Mace, the mighty, mighty Mason. I'm more a more a Mason. <laughs> All right, our, our British listeners have been struggling to keep up the whole time, and now they can understand. Like um, he just said, mighty, mighty Mason. <laughs> uh, uh, the immortal Chelsea E, Danny. The immortal Chelsea E. Oh. Uh, I suppose I should just say it normal and let you guys bring the color to it. Um, Nathan, not me, Jake. Nathan, not Nathan. Ah. You mean Nathan, not Nathan? I think that's what I mean. That's what I said. That's right. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Little Jimmy and Annie Oakley. Jimmy, Jimmy Beam and little Annie Oakley. Oh, little Jimmy Beam and Annie Oakley, ain't it right there? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you're not a (laughs) Australian? I am. Put it on to Bobby. (laughs) He's a pirate, is what he is. (laughs) All right. Lily of the Valley, Danny. L- Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley. Yes. Uh, Andrew Whoa. and Esther the Lovebirds, Jake. Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. Oh, Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. Yes, yes, of course, yes. Jan, the inscrutable Jenny Z. Oh, that's the one's almost hard not to say with them. Oh, the inscrutable Jenny Z. <laughs> <laughs> 
Robert and Rhonda Chastain Oh Robert and Rhonda The Lovebirds Love Yes Bird. very good yeah. Very good uh, Don and Jill The Lovebirds John and Jill The Lovebirds And little baby Max And little baby Max uh, uh, The Keith The Keith Master the, uh, the, hi there, Governor. The Keith Master. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm, baby's many men trucking. Oh, where would I go for my transport needs? Well, you might try to. What were you going to say there, Nathan? Oh, the my, only the mightiest of trucking oh. organizations. Oh, oh, David's mighty man, yes. Yeah, yes, that's the one. That's the ticket. <laughs> Why is Brandon's character and Danny's character interacting? I feel like, feel like Danny's character would be seen with Brandon. Uh, I'm lost. I'm needing transport. My beloved mother, Beth, please. Nathan's beloved mother, Beth. My beloved mother, Beth. Um, oh. Oh, I like this one. The incandescent Meredith. The incandescent Meredith. Oh, we've never really come up with a good name for her. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I've really fallen down on the good names lately, and I'm sorry, folks. You'll be getting good names. Um, I'll just, I'll just, whatever I land on randomly here. The scholarly Gian. No, that's boring. Come My on, dear. The brown go. loaf. No. Joanna, <laughs> um, gauzy dress, scorpion, brimstone, Stone scorpion. Parapet. He's so full of descriptions. Sweltering toad, chattering, clattering broomstick witch. Oh, right, none of those yeah, things. No, I like chattering, <laughs> clattering broomstick witch. <laughs> chattering, I'm clat- sorry. I'm so sorry. All right, Joanna, this one was given to you by the mom who's a bomb of reading, Danny herself. You, you are a, Joanna. Chattering, clattering, Joanna. Chattering, clattering, Joanna. That's right from Dickens, that is. Right from Dickens, that is. Sure, hope you're is. a Dickens fan, Joanna. Uh, Maya! 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 Lovely. Maya! 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 Uh, Rock and Ryan and Jumpin' Judy. I don't know whose turn it is. Jake, maybe? I think so. No, I just did. Rock Rockin' and Ryan and what? What was that? Jumpin' Judy. Jumpin' Judy. I. Uh, Danny the Dude. Danny the Dude. <laughs> Danny the Dude. <laughs> what kind of accent? Hi there. DJ Sammy G. DJ Sammy G. DJ Sammy G. Uh, Get out now. <laughs> Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. Oh, they're the coldest and they love cheese. It's Jay and Katie. <laughs> How you doing? They love cheese. Benny and Dana T. Benny and Dana T. <laughs> <laughs> this is like an I've old got drone. Mr. Smallweed open. That's who I'm. <laughs> Grandfather Benny Smallweed. Dana T. Would you care for some Benny and Dana T? Uh, <laughs> Benjamin. No, we just did them. Um, Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds, and little baby Silas. Introducing little baby Silas. <laughs> Eric and Catherine and little baby Silas. <laughs> Introducing nice. little baby Silas. Nice. Eric and Catherine and little baby Silas. <laughs> Brandon, I'll let you do Professor X. And Danny, I'll let you do Lady X. I dare Professor X being all mysterious-like. And little Lady X being also mysterious. That's right. Like, 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 etc. 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 All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.
Hey, everybody. Uh, Book and Inks written and, uh, well, I don't know. Um, my name is Nathan, and that's Brandon. That's uh, Jake. We had Danny McNeely. Yeah, I was trying to avoid saying her last name, but I don't think your last name is any secret, is it, Danny? It's not. No. no. Um, she's the mom who's a bomb of reading, and she was on this episode, and she's going to be back next week for us to talk even more Chucky D and his great book, Bleaky. Uh, Bleaky, and the like. Bleaky H. At Chuck E. Cheese. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be back next week. Go to patreon.com forward slash the booketing to support us. Sign up for great reward lovers. We are going to get those shirts out. It's been a busy month with some setbacks and stuff. But we'll figure the shirts out. You'll get your shirts. Goodbye. <laughs>